Hello and welcome to YAF Podcast, the yet another Final Fantasy podcast where I go through each game, chapter by chapter, section by section, and try to learn more about the Final Fantasy universe. I am a Final Fantasy beginner, so to speak. I've played a few games for a little bit. I've beaten only one, not the first one. I've only beaten Final Fantasy IV. And I am nearing the end of this, this season of the podcast, which means that I'm nearing the end of this game. Last episode, we obtained the Crystal of Water from the Water Shrine Under the Sea using what was it called? Oxyalate or something like that that allowed you to breathe underwater, which is pretty neat. And when you when we got out, well, the next step was to actually go to the waterfall cave according to the walkthrough. But I've actually already gone through the waterfall cave earlier because I was exploring around. So before I even got the crystal of water, I had already gotten the warp cube. The warp cube is located at the end of the waterfall cave along with a few other items. And you also encounter this kind of cool robot. And to be honest, it kind of reminds me of that robot Chrono Trigger. So so it's kind of interesting, all these different callbacks, but I also know that the version I'm playing came out after Chrono Trigger, so who knows how all of that works. Along with the Warp Cube, well, I had gotten the Rosetta Stone Tablet, and I believe that we had gotten that from the bottom of the shrine. So before actually going to the next city, we have to go back to Melmond. Melmond, if you might you might recall, was near the Fire Fiend? No, it wasn't the Fire Fiend. Which one was it? It was near the, oh, the Earth Fiend, which was the Lich. Yeah, it was near the Lich, where they had to have they were supposed to have all these fertile lands, but because of the fiend and the crystal being deactivated, it was basically like a desolate area. Well, in the graveyard there, interestingly enough, graveyard, right? You'll find Dr. Oon. Dr. Oon's brother was, I think, out in Gaia, if I remember correctly. And Dr. Oon will look at your Rosetta Stone, he will say a few things about it, and then you'll be able to understand the Lufanian language. So next up is going to Lufania, I guess. And when you go to Lufania, and you had already spoken to Dr. Oon, you'll be able to actually understand all the inhabitants. And you'll kind of learn that they're like an ancient race of sky people, and they, I think they used to live out in a castle in the sky, and, uh, oh, that it was Sid who built the airship long ago, one of their ancestors. Now, that was an interesting part to me, that Sid was the, the creator of this airship. But I also saw that it's not in the NES version, so it came out either in PS1 or in the GBA version. And that's fine, I found that interesting, because Sid is like a recurring Final Fantasy character. Recurring not in that it's the same character every single time, but it's a, there's always a character named, not always, but in many of the games there's a character called Sid, and many times it, he has to do with, you know, having either an airship or the, or the ability to basically fly across the land. I remember that there is a Sid in Final Fantasy VII, I believe there was a final uh, Sid in Final Fantasy IV, and Final Fantasy X. I could be wrong, but we'll see about that. It's just an interesting callback that, I guess in this game there was no Sid to begin with, not in the original version, I'm guessing that there's no equivalent of that character, but it was just an interesting callback that when you talk to the Lufanians, they mentioned Sid. They also mentioned that they had s sent their own warriors, like five different warriors, but they, I guess, died and nothing worked, and it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting, and it sounds like Tiamat, which, who is the fiend behind the Crystal of Air, the air fiend, I guess, stole the power of the wind from the Lufanian sky warriors 400 years ago, and that Tiamat had taken over the 
Sky Airship, not the Sky, the Sky Base or whatever they call it, the Sky Palace, I guess, and, or the Sky Castle, that's what it's called. And that, then they kind of tell you that you can go ahead and go to the Mirage Tower, which is like in the middle of the desert nearby. I had flown over that desert several times, and I, I actually, if you turn on the GBA version, the Mirage Tower is like, I think the first kind of cutscene that shows up as the game is booting up. So I was kind of excited to finally go in there. Now, before I left Lufania, there was a bunch of stuff that could be bought. One of them was Full Life. I guess that, that is a spell that'll completely restore everything for just one character though. And at this point, as I was fighting different monsters and everything, I found myself using the White Mage much more, with much more versatility. A lot of times when I attack a horde of enemies, there's not enough HP that needs to be healed. And there's, you know, the White Mage doesn't have enough power to actually inflict much damage. So the White Mage ended up being pretty useless for a very long time. And oh man, I don't know the, the I don't know the pronouns for the White Mage. I think the White Mage was supposed to be a she. So she was basically kind of useless except when I needed healing and I was entering or I was entering a big battle and I needed to cast a Proterra or something like that. Or if I was fighting the undead. So what I found was that there are a lot of these, a lot of these weapons that you can just kind of use to cast different spells without using up your MP and, and, and spells that don't fall into your class category. So you could have a warrior or a knight casting like Thundera, right? And that's kind of interesting. So I ended up using the white mage and the red mage that I have or the white wizard and the red wizard to cast the Thundera or Fira spells because usually the knight and the thief or I guess the ninja at this point would easily dispatch any high level enemies and neither the red wizard nor the white wizard could dispatch any of the enemies in, in a single round. So if they use the spells they would at least weaken everybody and make it easier for you to beat them and, and with both of those spells cast you would wipe out nearly everything at this point in the game you know except for big bosses. At one point one of the Lufanians give you, gives you the chime which allows you to enter the Mirage Tower and uh, let me read a little bit about this. Only the precise harmonic tones of the chime will open the door to the Mirage Tower. So that's interesting. So I guess the tower was completely inaccessible until that point. When you get into the tower, it feels like a small maze and I find that kind of fun actually. If you try to go to, if you, like the first floor is not much of a maze, but to, you can actually run straight through it and it takes like five seconds to get through it. But if you actually want all of the, you know, the treasures of the level, you'd have to go through a small maze, which means a lot of encounters, a lot of backtracking, a lot of trying to orient yourself. I tried not to use the map much because I figured, you know, hey, I need to just go through this. It's not that, not that hard. And it wasn't. And you pick up quite a few items, the Aegis Shield, the Vorpal Sword, and the Healing Helmet. What's cool about the Healing Helmet is that at this point, I think you might have the Healing Staff, or I do at least in this in the playthrough, which meant that I, I could have two different characters cast Heal on the entire party in a single turn without using up any MP whatsoever. It's just kind of amazing. I kept using these strategies where the White Mage and the Red Mage ended up being just so versatile. I got to Flora 2, which was another big maze with a ton of money. And then there was uh, Floor 3 again. Oh, this this wasn't a much of a maze. You just kind of like walk around and you fight a small boss, the Blue Dragon. I thought that'd be, it'd be a big deal. So one of the thing, first things that I did was cast Null Shock on my entire party and so to nullify any of the, I guess, lightning or thunder spells that the Blue Dragon could cast. And then I just dispatched him because his its HP was very, very low. And then you walk through, let's see, then you set, you'll find a teleporter, step on it, and be transported to the Flying Fortress. Now, I was looking at the Flying Fortress, the design on the NES, and it is it is so bare that it's really hard to tell it's a Flying Fortress. It's really this interesting color of, like, metal. It's metal gray. It makes me think of, like, again, I keep thinking of Chrono Trigger. It makes me think 
of those domes in the future that were all met metallic with like the metal grade floors and everything and that's how it looks like in the nes on the on the gba it looks a little bit more i want to say rustic like it doesn't look as not rustic more natural it doesn't it didn't look as cold and military style and the graphics around the main floors so like just to kind of give you an idea it looks like it looks like the design of a flying ship of sorts that kind of looks like a bird that's what the map looks like and so there's a lot of like white sp white space a lot of space where there's not like no it's not part of the actual map it's like the background and on the gba version it just looked looks like this beautiful sky beautiful land underneath and it looks like you're just really high up looking down on the map it is gorgeous i think this is probably one of the my favorite areas of the game so far um, um you end up going through floor to floor mostly it's just lots of treasures lots of random encounters and not really any maze you really just want to go through the entire level go to every single section of each level because there will be treasures there kind of completely different design from the mirage tower which was more of a maze that you had to kind of keep walking through until you got out this was very straightforward but you didn't want to find the shortcut basically now then on floor three floor three was a little bit different and one thing that it had was i believe it had like a crystal ball in the middle or like a lens that you could look through and you would see that the four crystals there was something be beyond the fourth four crystals and was the there's like a fifth i don't know crystal or something that's in the middle of all four like you see the huge you see the huge map of the entire world and you see where each crystal is located and how they all come together it's like this interesting cutscene on the gba and i wonder how they did it on the nes well once you're done looking you can yeah explore the entire map get all the loot and go down or go up to the next floor the next floor is just like these squares and and it's you know there's nothing remarkable about it and then on floor five there's this interesting thing that i found in the guide but i did not experience myself there was supposed to be like a patrolling robot a, the death machine which had like 2000 hp so it's it's boss level it would give 32,000 experience points though i see it's 8,000 8, on mobile so i wonder if it's actually 8,000 on gba as well but it's supposed to be like super strong and it patrols and there's like a very small chance that you'll actually run across it and it's supposed to be even stronger than the fiend of wind so i was kind of bummed out that i didn't run in run into it i wonder if i had walked around a bunch more it would help find it but it was okay i eventually got to tiamat tiamat was actually a lot of fun to play against i'm really enjoying the boss battles in these games he had or it had this amazing powerful armor or defense so that even my knight wouldn't make much of a dent into it i think it was like 50 you know 50 points per hit or like you know per turn that my knight could inflict so i actually started the game immediately casting saber on my knight using one of the items so one of the items that you might have picked up along the way or i picked up along the way allows me to cast saber which makes my knight stronger then i used my thief to do like a regular attack and then i used my red wizard to cast haste on that knight so that knight had not only like a stronger weapon but it was also moving faster and that allowed the knight to be very powerful and then inflict up to five six hundred damage so i was like all right four turns and i'm done in the meantime i had the white wizard cost like thun cast thunder which didn't do much but i ended up using my white mage to essentially heal my party every single turn because the dragon could inflict two to three hundred points of damage to every single character per turn eventually i ended up buffing my ninja as well with haste and with temper and so then ninja ended up doing you know 200 or 300 points of damage as well and i dispatched the dragon pretty quickly i kind of wish that dragon had maybe 10,000 more hp because i was just getting ready and buffing up my entire party <laughs> i would have appreciated something a little bit more difficult and but i don't want to go back to the nes version and play that level of difficulty just prolonged fun 
not difficulty even. I want prolonged fun with the with the bosses. That was it, and you kind of you end up outside of the Mirage Tower, and at this point you already know that you need to actually go to the next, like that there's one more like temple that you have to uh, visit and defeat the next enemy. So obviously there's one more boss. Um, I found out there was the Temple of Chaos. I don't want to talk too much about it because I've already started playing that section, and I don't want to provide any spoilers. I mean, obviously if you're listening to this, I don't think you're gonna do it play by play. If you are, that's fantastic, and I want I would love to hear about your experience. But yeah, so I mean that's that's it for the Crystal of, of Air. It does feel like the game is starting to slowly wrap up. And again, I see a lot of the elements in this Final Fantasy game carried over into so many of the other Final C Final Fantasy games, and including I, I've said it so many times, but I've played Chrono Trigger through and through, and I really enjoy that game. And even the the monsters in this game, the art, even just all of that feels familiar. Again, I realized part of, part of the reason why it feels so familiar is because I play the GBA version, and the GBA version has GBA graphics, and GBA graphics look like SNES graphics. That's not a hot take. I think that's a fact at this point. Uh, so that's that's it for this week. I don't think I have any extra thoughts about this uh, about this game. I do think it's interesting that you have the crystal of air is literally in the air in a massive, you know, floating, what is it called? A floating castle. That idea comes back so many times in so many of the games where there's just a, a flying fortress that you visit and explore like it was a cave. It's just really, really fantastic idea. You still you have the that ancient civilization, which I found kind of interesting. The thing that I've been trying to figure out is that the... Oh, wait, wait, there was one part that I forgot to talk about. And I think it was the adamantine? The adamantine, I think I got that, yeah. So the adamantine is adamantite, my bad. The adamantite is an, uh, is an element that you pick up in the sky castle. And it's an element that if you remember back to maybe, uh, let me check, episode two, episode one, two, three, episode three, episode four. So if you th remember back to episode four, you'll remember that I, I we visited a mount something or the other that was full of dwarves. And one of the dwarves said, hey, if you find some adamantite, bring it over here and I'll make a weapon out of it. So this is finally that coming into play. I'm really excited to talk about the next section. I did start playing it already. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm so, so excited about it. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else. Uh, subscribe, do what are all those fun things. Tell your friends about the podcast. You know, it'd be great to grow the audience for, for this podcast. It's slowly and surely growing, but maybe not fast enough. You can follow me on Twitter on twitter.com slash yaffpodcast. That's Y-A-F-F podcast. And on there, I'll be posting new episodes. I try to post memes, and you know what? Whenever somebody interacts with any of those tweets, it encur always encourages me to post more and be more active on there. I would definitely appreciate that. But until next time, this was the F Podcast, and me, Antonin Januska, thank you for listening.